0: is a district-focused stakeholder advocacy group that demands accountability and transparency from JCPS through a lens of equity. Save Our Schools Kentucky is a statewide advocacy group that seeks to expose and prevent attempts to privatize our public schools, including charter schools, and everything else from the ALEC playbook. Hey everybody, this is Gay Adelman with Dear JCPS. I am here for this uh, episode of Save Our Schools with Dear JCPS, and our guest is Kumar Rashad. Kumar is a teacher in JCPS and he is also uh, running for vice president of JCTA. So uh, I'm gonna share with you some things that uh, I've been doing some research on Kumar uh, and wanna share with with our audience, but I wanna give him an opportunity first to introduce himself and tell us why he's running for vice president. Kumar?
1: All right, thank you, Gay. Yeah, my name is Kumar Rashad. Uh, I'm a teacher, high school teacher, math at Breckenridge Metropolitan High School. I've been with JCPS since 2003. Been in the union that long, and I've held many positions with my union, uh, of on the local, state level, and national level. And um, so, I, I bring it to me with a, a different set of skills and experience that uh, will allow me to lead the union forward. Because last year we had an a, a eye-opening experience with 2020 that really let us see that uh, there were a lot of gaps in educational learning systems. And a lot of those uh, issues I've been addressing for years. So being on the forefront of uh, this whole uh, uh, educational revolution has been a uh, part of my brainchild for many years.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And I know that we have been in a lot of the same spaces over many of those years, so I can attest to that as well. Um, you recently wrote, rewrote the vision statement for the union. Can you tell us a little bit about what it said previously and what, what it now says?
1: Yeah, uh, actually, the, the the original statement said, public educators making a difference that was that was the quote of a public educators making a difference and again it, it didn't say we were making a good difference or a bad difference wow. i could be completely horrible but i'm making a difference <laughs> and uh so we didn't say it didn't mention that we were making a positive difference and it didn't say who were making a difference for whom you know, am I making a difference for me? Am I making a difference for just me? Am I making a difference for us? Am I making a difference for just administrators? Who am I making a, 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 a who am I making a, a difference for? Okay. So that is so unclear. And really, if you have a vision like that, you know they say uh, a people with no vision will perish. And that vision was just so, you know, it had well good intentions. It had good intention, but it didn't have any depth to it. You know, no depth to it, and it had been there for way too long. Just like our uh jcta logo with the teacher standing over the kid looks like he's about to hit the kid I'm, yeah we that's the, that's the next thing we have to change is that logo you know everything has to be reflective of who we are and not who we were absolutely
0: absolutely so what is the new vision
1: Ah, oh, yeah the new vision uh is supporting educators through advocacy professional development opportunities and creating an educational community that helps educators empower students to be lifelong learners and productive citizens. Yeah, and and that's so very important because, uh, uh, you know, we went through a year-long process with with our PRs in which we gathered uh, ideas from them on what the characteristics of a new vision should be. Uh, we 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 gathered thoughts, we condensed them, we synthesized, we updated, we revised, we came back to PRs, did the same process over and over again for almost a year until we finally uh, had a product down, narrowed it down to three uh, potential visions, and we sent it to the entire body of all of our JCTA members to vote. And the vision that the members came up with was that vision that, that I just stated, you know. Say it again, supporting educators through advocacy uh, professional development opportunities and creating an educational community that helps educators empower students become lifelong learners and productive citizens. Get that memorized. Let's go. It's
0: got a nice rhythm to it. I like it. Uh, uh, so I remember also your involvement with the racial equity uh, committee and the REIT. Tell us a little bit about your involvement in that and where you'd like to see that go in the future.
1: Oh, absolutely. Thank you for asking. Yeah, I'm on the uh, Advisory Council for Racial Equity, uh, which is an amazing thing because you know, I, I'm on a, a, a national board, National Council of Urban Education Associations where I'm the ethnic minority director. So we give tools and tips all across the country to different local unions on how to start racial justice conversations and incorporating just racial justice tenements into uh, 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 your policies and into your local communities because we believe that democracy is facilitated by the tenements of freedom, justice, equity and most importantly representation. And if we don't have that representation, we can't have anything, especially democracy. So when we're talking about uh um um racial equity this this is something that I'm very passionate about is dear near and dear to me so Uh well, we're talking about the so all of this experience that I have around the country lets me see that we have something very special here in Louisville. There aren't too many local districts around the country that have a racial equity, uh uh, you know, uh philosophy or resolution or, you know, uh uh, as the basis, you know, uh commitment, if you will. And and for us to do it in the way that we've done it, we're really, we're really trailblazing across the country and I'm glad to be a part of the Advisory council for the racial equity district team that uh really that uh, as uh, Dr. Marty Polio said at the beginning of the year is going to be you know the the the, the big umbrella for which everything else should come fall up underneath which honestly should have been done for years took 2020 to, for people to to catch up to where we were already but um, now we're here right. so now we got to ask the question what do we do while we're here you know what do we do how do we start these conversations? Because we have a lot of people that want to start conversations, but don't know how to start conversations. Uh, you know, I've got a really uh, good principal at my school. Really good principal, he, he tries, he, you know, he tries. But at the same time, you know, he, and not to pick on him, but him, like so many others, are not equipped to facilitate these conversations because we as a district, or as the community haven't prepared our leaders for this. It's never been you go to all of leadership training colleges. You know, you might get a semester class on diversity, but then after that, hey, back to business. <laughs> so now we've got to uh, uh uh change how we just do business in general and uh start changing our mind shift to just, you know, uh uh to from making a difference, just making a difference to 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 being advocates and uh, you know creating that support in our community,
0: right? And you mentioned representation, and uh, as far as the racial equity committee and the work that's being done there, that's district specific, I would assume. Uh, what are your thoughts on racial diversity and uh, better representation within the union? What are some of your visions and goals there?
1: Well. We have to do a better job, honestly, of reaching out to all of our members. There's a, uh, you know, uh, there's a a large, we have a number of members who we reach through regular means and, but we don't reach all of them. That's, uh, you know, that's reflected in how many votes turn out in the voter elections. That's that's, that's representative of of many things that we have, about 6,000 members and, you know, you know handful of really, really active ones. So we have to diversify our union on all levels. That means bring in some recruit more people, recruit more people, diverse people. Uh it's funny because how I even got um so heavily involved in my union is because of one of my uh union mentors, Beverly Chester Burton, uh pulled me to the side one day and said, hey, you know, you, you have a lot of good opinions and good ideas and things that we really need. I think that uh, in order to make your, uh, you know, your thoughts come to fruition, it'd be, you know, you need a support team from behind you. And that's where the union is. So as one person who intentionally went out to recruit me, it's my job to intentionally go out and recruit someone who should be either my replacement you know and you know because that's how we do we want people to replace us uh sometime in the future because I don't want my uh, vision to die with me so so we got to recruit more people to, to to get more representation and that's just on all levels because we can't represent anybody if we don't we're not reflective of them yeah, absolutely. so uh, I
0: have a two-part question I guess for you. all right um what do you make did you mention recruiting and uh, bringing in diverse perspectives and, and uh, you know uh, there's a group of people right now trying to run for office to be part of this board and there seems to be a lot of pushback uh, for them to, to even be treated with respect and dignity right now. And so uh, what do you make of, of these individuals and why are they having such a hard time if if increasing diversity is actually the goal, but also to the second part to my question and I don't I don't want to put you in any kind of gotcha moment so take your time and answer it the best best way you feel and if you decide you want me to edit some of this I will so um, but what do you make of that and then do you feel that there is kind of a go along to get along uh, culture in order for uh, people to be perceived differently than what you're seeing from this this uh, rogue group
1: oh 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 yeah yeah. Hold on. Uh, I'm, I'm, let me, let me start with the second one first. And if I forget the first one, please I'll bring All right. me back to it. Right. Uh, okay. Well, right now, I think that this has been the most uh, uh, oh, uh, energetic, <laughs> uh, uh, energetic, there you go. <laughs> uh, 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 election season of, uh, 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 and, and as far as I can remember, as far as, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, especially when we just started with BSK, now we're going into uh, the uh, general election. And I feel that, uh, you know, number one, I feel that uh, I'd like to say that thank everyone who's been supporting me uh, and, you know, and I definitely uh, will support you and continue. But then there's others who I feel that are scared. You know, they're, they're scared. You know, they, they, everybody knows, uh, you know, uh, uh, knows the, the work that Brent has done or Tammy has done, and they've been around for a long time. So some people may look at me and say, oh, you know, instead of going with a change or something new, they would rather stick in their comfort zone because that's what they're used to not that you know you're not saying anything good or bad about any of the people but it's about their comfort zone so i feel that either some people who you know so that's why i feel that people are either you know you're support me or you in some sort of comfort zone i think that uh another thing that people in this uh election like i said I, I, it's 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 hard because I represent a big change element. And like I said, people are really just scared of change and and we really need to embrace it because it's happening without us. Uh, uh, It's happening without us. Now, how do people feel about different candidates and other candidates? You know, that's how they feel. They can feel about it however they wanna feel. I, I just feel that each candidate should be out there just representing himself or herself, putting himself and herself out there without without so much of this negativity that's just been following us around i mean it's just a lot of negativity and i get it sometimes people may say things and people may do things and you know you you you, you kind of isolate some of those moments and you say all right cool it's either a mistake or something we can get past and go forward and 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 and, and that's all the, and that's good and that's good um but at the same time you know, we should all be in the business of loving each other, number one, uh, and, and and sharing that love with each other. You know, I can run for a position without running against someone. And that's uh that's where I'm trying to take it because a lot of people are Like I said, they're they're too focused on the negativity. Oh, this person is this way, this person is that way. And then with all of of that, all of this, then we fail to realize that the people we're talking about are what? People. Every single one of us is a human being. And there's no time to just to shut anyone off, cut anyone off. you know it, it's really no time to do that cuz we need all people on deck all voices on deck and we really need to start working together and concentrating on the things that we agree with because a lot of times there's so much contention between union and community groups when all in reality there's so much that we agree with, and that's why I'm here because I'm that I'm that bridge. I'm that bridge between the community and the union, and I'm loyal to both. And yeah, that's the way it has to be because there never should be a them versus us. And that's why JCTA needs this new face.
0: But are you loyal to the the the, the union, or are you loyal to its members?
1: I'm I'm loyal, uh, you know. I think the union is a collection of its members, you know, so I I definitely am loyal to the voice of my members, uh, represent what my members want. And uh, I think that's what leads us because the union by itself is just an entity, but when we're talking about deeper levels, it's all about talking to individual people. So I guess the answer would it's kind of one of the same to me but I guess I fall definitely more on the side to uh, of the members because uh you know I'm not with Citizens United. The institution is not a person. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. So you mentioned uh you being better equipped to have uh I don't think you use these words but I want to I want to say these words hmm. and that is you're better equipped to have these conversations around racial justice and uh it's time for that right now. So uh, regardless of how much experience uh, someone has at the desk job of being the vice president uh, you've got the real world experience of living with black skin you know so you can talk about that uh, with with uh, in, with uh, credibility right uh, and you were that is what you were saying but uh, specifically the time being now and and the experience that you bring is uh, so much
1: more valuable at this moment uh thank you thank you it it is valuable at this moment uh i would like to say however that uh I, i may share the same uh skin with people like wayne lewis so that does automatically qualify me but what does qualify me is the is all the work that we've been doing just the experience and being able to listen to people
0: so one of the um, concerns that's been brought forth by the candidates that are running uh, on the platform that shares the vision uh, with the Coalition for the People's Agenda um, is um, lack of representation on BSK, Better Schools Kentucky, which is the union's Pact, that uh, received some controversy re- recently when they failed to uh, take back their endorsement of Jason Nemus in particular. So, what are some specific things? I know you said that it can happen at PR meetings and and up through the democratic process, but um, right now, 10 of the 12 people who serve on BSK are are appointed by the committee that was originally appointed and nominated by Brent McKim, the current president who's been president for 20 years. And only two of the positions are actually elected by membership. So wouldn't there be, uh, would it not make sense to, uh, make a recommendation at some level to allow all of BSK to be elected by members and as some of the people who are running for the seat suggested uh, Allowing the endorsements to be voted on by the members just like they would a contract or anything like that. Is that something that you would support? And if so, how would you see that being uh, Approached for consideration by the membership
1: Um, let's see Having all twelve members uh, 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 voted on, I'm not so sure about that right now. I actually have to just think about that whole process because, uh, you know, BSK is not really too much my specialty. I, you know, I do. I, you know, I've been talking about BSK for years. I know I've been trying to encourage people to actually uh, uh, get involved in BSK because the problem I, I see is that there is a lot of conversation after the fact, instead of before I, uh, you understand? I, you know, after, uh, specifically after Jason nemus was, uh, uh, picked as the, uh, uh, the, the, the endorsed candidate, there was a lot of pushback, uh, based on, you know, his voting record specifically with a uh, uh, gang bill and, uh, charter schools. Uh, and, 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 you know, I, not to say that this pushback wasn't righteous as it was but i think that you know the, the bigger qu- question is why did we have that conversation after the fact, you know what I'm saying? Is why do we have the after the fact? We should have a a a, a process to have this conversation before the fact. Now about the about the ideas. Oh, hold on, before I get back to that, I want to get back to that about the ideas of the go back to the uh, the, the 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 twelve people uh, and how they're appointed. I think that's a conversation specifically for uh, our PRs to have the highest, uh, board of governance and to see what they feel about that. And I support that decision all the way. So I'll go, go with that. Now, the second part we were talking about, because people were having conversations after the fact instead of before the fact, and that's the big problem. So we got to have a process put in place in the front first place that says, okay, here's, and, and, you know, here's our list of candidates. And here's our list of bills that we as a union support across the top spreadsheet. Now, how do these candidates, how have these candidates voted on these issues in the past and are currently trying to vote on this? Because then we could start comparing apples to apples and oranges to oranges.
0: In response to being uh, involved beforehand, um, <laughs> there, there was an effort to be part of that conversation beforehand, I guess is what I'm trying to say, and I don't just mean from my own, my own perspective, but uh, teachers, you've had teachers like Tiffany Dunn, who was running for state senate and they didn't endorse her. So uh, where is that conversation, if, 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 if we're saying the conversation didn't happen before, but I bet if you reach out to these candidates who didn't get endorsed, uh, the, the request was there uh and from the members who wanted support of those candidates so i think it might be um that it didn't didn't catch the media's attention until it was after the fact but i'm pretty sure your members have been paying attention and asking to be part of that process for a while in fact that's one of the reasons why dear jcps is so popular with teachers is because uh they needed a place to to be heard and uh, express their concerns because it, it wasn't being permitted within the
1: union circles. No, no, no. I haven't said that the uh, uh, that there have been upfront conversations. I'm saying that that's what we need to do, have the upfront conversations. Saying that as people we be.
0: have been trying and, and top leadership has prevented that. Your members have been trying to have these upfront conversations for years. I've been a witness to it. So um, I think that there are, are members who feel that they've tried and it doesn't work. Just saying we need to be doing that now, that is hindsight 2020 uh, quarterbacking. And the thing is, is uh, I'm a witness to know that, that people have been trying to be heard for a while now. So I have some fun things in front of me. I've been doing some research. And in fact, um, I, was, I was there the day that you had your EPSB hearing. And yeah. so I actually have my own audio recording uh, right. From that after from that day all day, um, but yeah. I got you.
1: Hey, thank you for being there. Honestly, uh, the support that you offered during that day was uh, you know is, is irreplaceable. It it uh it helped set a comfortable space. Uh, I think that uh you know it, it was it was a it was a day for well, I like to say uh day for racial justice. It was a day for civil rights. Uh, and i'm very proud of our, uh, our our actions in that courtroom we're still going to court over this uh over this uh issue uh just to fill everyone in on an email I sent to former uh commissioner of education Wayne Lewis, where in uh my own colorful words, I just said that he was a racist because of the policies of, of the policies that we know to negatively affect children of color and uh just for calling him out, I consider myself a whistleblower uh that um you know i was persecuted uh i was persecuted and uh had, had received uh an admonishment that uh i definitely know i don't deserve and i feel that had that same email been written post post uh and this happened all before uh covet post COVID, post uh racial justice insurrection over the summer I truly feel that uh, the court case would have went completely differently. And uh, that's why we're pulling it right now, because uh, it's going to go completely differently. You know, I sent that email to, to, to Wayne Lewis. No one who I knew around the district or anywhere around the state ever saw that email until Wayne Lewis put it in the news. He put that email in the news. He put he he decided that he was going to control the narrative of this from the beginning. One of the charges brought up against me was that I made this whole thing into a fiasco that I um, caused a big disruption across the state. Whereas even my principal and the superintendent said that they had never seen that email until Wayne Lewis put it in the paper. So, how can I cause? How can I create a, 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 a fiasco when I'm not the one who leaked my email to the paper? And and I know he felt a certain type of way, but he he felt really um, offended by it. But because you know he tried to tell the public that he was trying to do things that were to help black children. The current school system was failing our children. These are efforts I'm going to do to help black and brown children. But then he puts us off talking about more standardized tests that are we know don't help black and brown children and other philosophies and charter schools which take money away from our black and brown children and these are the policies that he supported so what i'm saying is no you are not supporting a black and brown culture you are increasing the racism you are increasing this Uh, so-called educational gap, and you're setting our people back by you being in the forefront making these decisions that hurt us. That's terrible. It's terrible. Right. Yeah.
0: And I mean, the examples that he quoted uh, came from playbooks that have been used uh, in other states as well. And so this throwing things out to the media, that shark bait that he threw out to the media is another one of his dirty tactics, that they are trained uh, when they go through the Koch Institute training and and the McConnell Scholars and all of those people are learning these tactics uh, to work on behalf of the privatizers and so that's right. Um, I just want to let our viewers know that I I am going to put together possibly at the end of this recording uh, some outtakes from your EPSB hearing because uh, I think I think the the the. The conversation that took place in that hearing would be heard differently today, and what you did was was good trouble. You were causing some good trouble, and I'm so proud of you for doing that.
2: Thank you, um,
0: You know, just at rereading it today, too. Even when, I, even when I witnessed it back then, I knew it was the right thing to do, but rereading it today, just, I think your story needs to, to, to get some national attention, and so maybe by putting a little clip at the end of this video, we can try to get it out to some uh, news outlets and stuff. Uh, all right,
1: all you right, from, I like I like. Do you it.
0: remember the quote you used in the email? I have it in front of me if you don't. No. Do you want me to read it? Do you mind if I read it? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so it was from Kamar Rashad, and you copied all state teachers apparently, so that might have had something to do with something. But um, uh, it says nobody wants funding for charter schools except people who don't care about Black, brown, and black kids. This is disgraceful and disrespects all great black leaders, current and past. All Amen. reputable research shows that charter schools devastate minority communities. Hmm. Systemic racism perpetrated by a man of color is the same reasoning that made some people of color become overseers during slavery. Sorry right. for bothering you with this, Massa. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah. And the whole bit of it was just the word "massa." But had I replaced the word "massa" with racist, which is synonymous with, you know, the point is, I wasn't lying. Everything was truthful. I stand on that. I stand on all of that. Everything I said before that supported that. So, you know, it's my opinion, my freedom of speech, and they should have let me live with it.
0: Absolutely. And it was so clear. The condescending tone was intended to keep you in line, keep you in your place. And it's time for, to change all that. It's time to change all that within the district, within the union, and within our community. So I, I'm, I'm behind you 100%. Let's do this, Kumar. Thank you so much all for the right. program.
1: Thank you, gay. Thank you for all you do. Can't wait to see what you come up with when it's finished.
0: All right, and Kumar for vice president, everybody. Thank you. Thanks, Kumar.
1: Right. Thank you, Louisville.
0: So that was Kumar Rashad. He is a candidate for vice president for the Teachers Union in Jefferson County, Kentucky. Please check out thepeoplesagenda.net for the the candidates that uh, that make up the remainder of the uh, endorsed list of candidates from the People's Agenda. And uh, stay tuned for some outtakes from the EPSB hearing with Kumar Rashad.
2: It is without question that educators are held to a very high standard of conduct, both inside and outside the classroom, due to the unique possession of public trust that they hold. The EPSB was mandated the responsibility of developing and enforcing a professional code of ethics for the Kentucky Certified Educators. Within that mandate is the ability to take action against a certified educator when they use derogatory vile language toward a student, parent, colleague, superior, or any other member of the education community. This is necessary to ensure that the state's education system creates a learning environment where individuals from all backgrounds, (coughs) belief systems, and political opinions are afforded respect and impartiality. Teachers have access to the minds and hearts of impressionable youth and therefore must be held to a higher standard. This case is about upholding the tenets of a profession governed by a code of ethics. The Education Professional Standards Board has a legitimate interest in ensuring educators act in an appropriate manner even during a disagreement. In particular, it is not unreasonable to require teachers to communicate civilly rather than stooping to low-level attacks. Opposing counsel has made this case about the First Amendment, essentially arguing that no matter the speaker, no matter the place, no matter the context, an individual can shout any and all derogatory terms, wherever they so please. That's simply untrue. First Amendment protection is not unfettered, specifically in a professional environment that is governed by a code of ethics. Today you will hear what I can only assume are two vastly different meanings behind the word "massa." It is difficult to put myself in the position of a black man receiving such an egregious email. It is nevertheless clear Mr. Rashad's reference to Commissioner Lewis as massa was intended to be insulting and derogatory, especially when it follows a sentence accusing him of perpetuating systemic racism and comparing his support of charter schools to the actions of a slave who oppressed others in bondage. Next, you will hear that the disruption was actually caused by Mr. Rashad's decision to violate the Professional Code of Ethics. You will hear that Mr. Rashad's judgment can no longer be trusted. You will hear that he violated his school's policy by choosing to use his JCPS email, the email that is subject to an open records request. He used it to express his personal opinion, attaching JCPS's name and resources to his bio language, essentially telling all who review the email that JCPS allows its teachers to attack people they disagree with and that is supported by the school system. The decision here today will set the stage for other teachers who are considering acting in such a manner. Respondent with the trust and esteem of the education profession to a racially charged attack on a fellow member. The dispositive facts of this case are not in dispute. Mr. Rashad is a certified educator. He is subject to the professional code of ethics. He chose to use his school time and resources to send an attack on another education professional. This is a violation of the Professional Code of Ethics. At the end of the day, the question remains, can a Kentucky certified teacher use work resources and work time to attack another member of the profession because he does not believe his skin color allows him to hold his personal beliefs? The answer is no. It violates the Professional Code of Ethics. Mr. Rashad has failed to uphold the dignity and integrity of the profession when he lowered himself in his profession mm-hmm. to attacking another person. Mr. Rashad failed to afford just and equitable treatment to every member of the profession when he sent the email referring to Commissioner Lewis as "massa." And finally, Mr. Rashad failed to distinguish between his personal views and the views of his employer when he chose to send his email against the rules from the JCPS server. Access to the server is a privilege, not a right. A privilege granted to Mr. Rashad through his employment. Opposing counsel will have you believe that Mr. Rashad has been targeted. Mr. Rashad's not the only person who chose to violate the Code of Ethics with an email last year. His companion case listed in the article was given the exact same admonishment and suggested professionalism training. The reason that we're here today is because Mr. Rashad continues to believe he's above the rules. At the close of this case, the evidence will support several violations of the Code of Ethics and that the suggested resolution is more than reasonable in light of Mr. Rashad's prior misconduct. We ask that you hold him responsible for his conduct under the Professional Code of Ethics which he has voluntarily subjected himself to for nearly two decades. He has chosen his profession as a certified educator, and he must be held to the same standard as every teacher in the state of Kentucky. All right.
3: Thank you. Sir. Well, I'm a little bit puzzled by this uh, statement uh, that deals with another case It was not identified in any of the documents, not in the charges. Uh, no, she, she's alluding to a case of another teacher in another circumstance. Oh, it.
2: Yes, it was listed in the article. That's Exhibit Seven.
3: It has no relevance to this case.
2: It absolutely gives to the reasonableness of the sanctions requested. No. And the we have a precedent there. to set. That's
3: we fine. have not alleged disparate treatment. Well, I'll, I'm going to go. I'm going on the M. of Notes. I did not know this was going to be raised in this hearing. Mm -hmm. I have not had time to look at the other case. I cannot make distinguishments between the facts of her case and the facts of my case. I -hmm. don't have any knowledge of it whatsoever, and neither were we put on notice that this was going to be something that they were going to rely on to support their uh, their penalty. It was not listed.
2: Was it, a um, it, it absolutely was. We've attached it. In fact, if Mr. Schultz had reviewed the article, the entire email is in there. Stop sending us emails. We don't like your agenda. We don't want your business. Please go back to where you came from. You and your butt buddies can go ruin another state. You'll answer to the Lord one day, and you'll know what's going to happen if you don't change your ways. You had all of the facts in the exhibits, as well. That it was admitted today it's fully in there.
3: I'm still gonna object that they was not put on you notice. Yeah, notice I did not. It was, it was not season. charged. It was not used as a decision. In the admonishment or anything else. I'm still going out. All right. I still don't ball it. Yes, uh I I think there is quite a bit of issues here, that uh, notwithstanding the Code of Ethics, which is a very general language in it, mm-hmm. uh, about what is or what is not acceptable. Yeah, this is okay. no closing arguments. I understand. Uh, that uh, this higher standard, say, teachers belong to, certainly requires some element of notice. It also indicates that Uh, based on the fact that they're relying on disruption, that they agree 100% that the First Amendment does apply to this case because the issue of disruption is in the the jurisdiction of getting out from under the First Amendment because what was involved in this case is pure political speech. There was no way that uh, Mr. Rashad identified that he was speaking on behalf of the school there was no way he was uh, speaking on behalf of anything that his job required him to do. He was expressing a personal, political opinion to the commissioner, and he used language which is protected under the First Amendment, and that's in light of the fact that if you look at the standard, the, the code of ethics of, on which they're trying to base their findings, it gives nobody any notice that the use of a single word in a single email is so egregious that it becomes an ethical matter that uh, they need to punish the, on the first time this guy's been before the standards board on any penalty for in 19 years. I have objection. Yeah, he said this is the first time before the standards
2: board.
3: No, I said the fourth times have been for the standards board and punished. It's still my opinion that he has not been punished. He settled it by agreed order to take a training that he would otherwise take. And he did so on the condition that he got to maintain his innocence in regard to the underlying allegation that he violated the law. There was no disruption of any significant amount, the only disruption we can determine is that Commissioner Lewis was offended. That uh, this is being identified as racially charged language the, what they said. You've got to consider the context. It takes it totally out of context with what was written in that email and what was the, the viewpoint that Mr. Rashad was getting across is that Lewis's policy, not his race, was at issue. And uh, to say that they can put themselves in the view of somebody else as a subjective standard is not an objective standard. And we need to decide this case on the objective standard, whether that is so offensive as a statement that it is becomes a now an ethical consideration that this guy cannot... Uh, no longer be trusted. Uh, there is no evidence they're going to be able to present to that. And then one of the other issues I cannot get into during these points, because we've talked about this before, is that uh, Commissioner Lewis has made public statements before that would be considered offensive.
2: Objection relevance.
3: I just said it wasn't relevant. Well, he can make the, ar- he can make the, the argument. We'll, we'll, we'll finish the point. We're not, we're not. Opening statements are not the evidence. We're opening statements. I, I just want to note for the record that you stated no, no political yeah, issues. I'll him me. to finish the statement. That, uh, that he is also held up as a somebody that should be setting the standard, and if we, that's the way he sets the standard, how can my guy be that much further off base ethically? And so I don't think they have enough proof here to establish that he violated the Code of Ethics, and I certainly believe he has a First Amendment right to express his political opinion using controversial language. It's because it is a political opinion that the standard for what language is acceptable (coughs) is (coughs) broader. We have to get to that point because he clearly was speaking on his own, expressing his own opinion, responding to an email that came to him on his school email. All right. Have you ever testified before, Mr. Richard?
1: Only in my arbitration building at the same time. Okay. Please state your name and spell for the record. And put your hand my name is Kumar Rashad. Is K U M A R. Last name Rashad. R A S H A D. Okay. All right. Thank you. Um, Mr. Rashad, how are you employed? How am I employed? Mm-hmm. As a teacher, I Where do
2: you work?
1: Oh, okay. I work at Breckenridge Metro High School.
2: Okay. What is your position there? Really? I'm a math teacher. How
1: long have you been a teacher? Um, since the beginning of the millennium. I started in 2000, the exception of the year where I went back to school, so about 18, 19 years. Okay. Um, do you currently hold any leadership positions with Jefferson County public schools? Uh, I'm the uh, math department chair in my building. Uh, so I lead the adults and also lead student groups in quality. Um, those, those are my two books. Big role. Um, what is Men quality? Men you know, quality is a mentoring group. Uh, I uh, take at risk young males and I uh, mentor them. Are you your building's JCTA rep? Yes, I'm that too. i sure. what? JCTA, Jefferson County Teachers Association rep. We have uh, representatives in each building who represent the union, and when you uh have an issue dealing with the contractual or anything else, usually you go to your, the column of PR, professional representative in your building, and then if you don't get it resolved there, then you go to the university director who's a high-ranking uh, staff official with uh, the UNICEF. What's my role? Oh, I am one of my building's reps. Thank you. Are you familiar with the Professional Code of Ethics for cert- Certified Educators? Yes,
2: ma'am. And you're subject to this Code
1: of Ethics? Yes, ma'am. Why are we here today? Well, we're here today because I exposed Mr. Wayne Lewis as an oppressor. And to uh, punish me, he decides he wants to suppress my voice. That's why we're here today. Okay. Um, And I actually want to
2: turn you to Exhibit 1. Can you read that out loud for us? Uh, can I turn you to exhibit one?
1: Can you please read? Can you please
2: read that? Uh, the part that I wrote.
1: Yeah, yes, just the of part. Of that um, yeah. Nobody wants funding for charter schools except people who don't care about brown and black kids. This is disgraceful and disrespects all great black leaders, current and past. All reputable research shows that charter schools devastate minority communities. Systemic racism perpetrated by a man of color is the same reasoning that made some people of color become overseers during slavery. Sorry for bothering me with this message.
2: And you sent that in response to a Kentucky teacher email? Yes. Did you personally register to receive Kentucky teacher? I
1: don't remember. Um, Has anybody registered? You just get it automatically, don't you?
3: No, I don't remember the right yeah, I'm sorry, I don't remember. one thing I should have told you, you can't ask questions uh, just generally. Oh, I was trying to clarify. i understand, I'm sorry. I understand that desire to have that conversation, but that would have to be clear about through process that. Yes, sir. And, and this is
2: just as far as you know. As okay. far as you know, you have not registered, it's just automatic.
1: Yeah, as far as I know.
2: Okay. Can you read the third line down that says to on your response?
1: It says to all state teachers.
2: So you did reply all?
1: teachers in my building.
2: Did you reply to all?
1: I couldn't reply. I do not recall hidden reply to all. I don't say reply. If I did, it was a mistake. All right.
2: <clears throat> Can you tell me what time that email was sent?
1: The time it was uh, it was about what was it say on there? The second one. Um on here it says 1.43, but that's different the clock in my school. Okay, so you're
2: disputing the time that this was sent?
1: Um, I'm just doing, you know, it's different. My clocks at our school, especially tomorrow, are faster than this. Okay.
2: But it's fair to say on this. So email, within about five
1: minutes, yes. Within about five minutes, it's pretty accurate. Right.
2: What are Jace, or I guess Breckenridge Metro's school hours? 7.15
1: to 2 um, um, And you were at school that day? Yes. Were you paid for that
2: entire day? Yes. Um, and were you aware that JCPS policies didn't permit this type of email?
1: Uh, I, I know what type of emails is Well, we don't get training for that, so I don't know what you mean about this type of email. Okay. I really don't. Um,
3: that's,
2: um, I, I think this has been clear that it's been referred to as a, a political email. Would you agree that it's a political email?
1: I didn't really think it was a political because it just depends on your definition of politics. I really thought it was more historical than anything, and I was coming from a historical standpoint, so I thought it was more historical than political, but if you define politics as who gets what, when, and how, everything's political, and we were talking about who gets and who doesn't get a charter school, so in that aspect, I guess it is political. Okay. Um, and so, as your council has
2: called it, it's political, and, and that's not permitted by JCPS. Correct. Correct. Abusive language isn't permitted by JCPS, correct?
1: Correct. Okay.
2: Um, so it's safe to say you knew you shouldn't have
1: sent that email? No, because I don't find it abusive. Okay. Um,
2: I heard you speak earlier about your arbitration. Yeah. What did that hearing officer tell you? Jab
3: yeah. sheets. Thank you. Oh, it's hearsay, and it's the I'm hearing sure. officer didn't tell
1: him anything. Thank you.
2: I apologize. I'll rephrase. All right. Mr. Rashad, what was found at your arbitration hearing? What was the finding?
1: The finding, well, the hearing officer found that I was, uh, that I was at phone.
2: Did the order say that you used abusive language?
1: we're we going to need a little bit more foundation. I'm going to object again. I want to sustain the objection. You can't let me complete the are talking about I
2: foundation I can do that. Okay. <laughs> You were required to meet, and I'll move on. I'll bring it up if I need to. You were required to meet with your direct supervisor, Tommy Moss, regarding your email, correct? Correct. Okay. Did you receive a disciplinary <coughs> issue from that meeting? Yes. Okay. And I'd like to refer you to Exhibit 2. You've been asked what you meant by your email. Can you read the fourth paragraph down?
1: Sentence. You mean the full paragraph of that
2: sentence?
1: The fourth sentence. Okay. Talking about Mr. Rashad also acknowledged that he signed a JPS employee and accepted agreement on October 17, 2016? No, I apologize.
2: When asked to explain the email message, that
1: line. When asked to explain the email message, Mr. Rashad stated that he responds to the commissioner's email messages frequently, that Commissioner Lewis is setting his race back. And Lewis, no different than a man in a white club. Mr. Shah contends that he wants social and racial justice and that it is being violated by Commissioner Lewis.
2: I'm not familiar with the second phrase. Can you explain what you meant, that he's no different than a man in a white
3: cloak? Objection. I know that this is not a statement to Commissioner Lewis. It's a statement made in an E2 meeting with a principal. So uh, I'm trying to find out what the purpose of it is. Asking for, so he's saying he called Mr. Lewis a name someplace else.
2: He gives context to the email when asked by his superior what he meant. He said he's no different than a man in a white cloak. I think it's important that we understand what that means. It gives context to his reference to Massive. Can you
1: say what you meant by no
2: different than a man in a white cloak?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I said that a man in a white cloak historically refers to. the Ku Klux Klan. It historically refers to any group of people that oppresses another. You know that's what that that's what that meant. He's no different than a man in a white coat. Black people, like you said before, you have no idea what it's like to be a black man at all. So historically, our people have been set back. Our people have have been betrayed. Our people have been marginalized, institutionalized, and Mr. Lewis created a a, a policies creating policies that do the same thing, so absolutely you're just like the man in one quote, because he is an oppressor that is oppressing my people. All that this man has done to take money out of school systems and money out of the black kids, but yet he 's going to be the one saying that he wants he wants to, 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 to lower the academic achievement gap, which is a made up racist institution uh statement that says that. Black people are less intelligent than their white okay. counterparts. Well, I want to you we'll off this point. You a political speech. And that's not answering the question. Also, I think we do have to acknowledge,
3: or uh, I'll take a minute straight notice of the fact that uh, Mr. Lewis is also African American. Okay. Um, why did you put
2: Massa
1: in quotes? <clears throat> All right, Massa in quotes. Because I wanted to bring the point home. Because if he's going to, if he's going to try to suppress my voice, he's going to try to control all the narrative. That I have to accept his opinion on charter schools, then he's trying to be my master, and that's what master means. It's a slang term for master. So he wants to be the master. So I don't even understand. That's why master was closed because it means master. Historically, it means master. And I said that man is acting like a master or a slave owner, and this very court case proves.
2: Um, do you agree with the E-2? No. Did you appeal it? Yes. Was an arbitration held? Yes. Were you given the opportunity to explain what you meant in your email? Yes. What was the result?
1: We already said it that earlier. We already, we already said that earlier. Probably fault. If you're the question, so say it again. Okay. Well, they said that all the fault. First time, uh, she raised the objection. So
3: she took you through the proper foundation there. Okay.
2: So another hearing officer told you that it was abusive language. Objection! That's not
3: what he said. said. Okay. Do we have actually the arbitration? Yes, we do. And did you identify that as an exhibit? No. uh, (laughs)
2: Because I'm not entering it into evidence. I'm simply asking his if he knew it was. If he's been told that it was abusive language, he's still standing strong in his belief that it's not abusive, even after he's had one hearing and now we're at another.
3: She's appealing to authority. Right. I'm, hmm. it's I, I'm not sure which drive to drive. Out here. Are you saying he's not learning from his lessons? Is that your point?
2: It's, it's just simple that he continues to push the boundaries knowing that it's against the rules.
3: It's the same incident.
2: It is the same incident.
3: So how can you be pushing the boundaries further by doing the same thing in both instances? Okay. And what's the same You don't need to get into this other
2: further. No. We've discussed several meetings that have taken place regarding the email that you sent. Is it correct to say a lot of time and resources have gone into addressing this email? Too, many, too much. Okay. Um, you also stated in the E2 that you email with the commissioner often. How many times would you say that you have emailed him? Um. And this is a gift
1: I, I don't know. Maybe four or five, but then I might be counting emails sent to approve it for because this has been a long time. It's been over like little years. Okay. So you,
2: it's safe to say that you have sent several emails over the years? Oh, absolutely. Have any of them been addressed by the EPSP besides this one? No. Are you a social media user? Yes. What accounts do
1: you have? Facebook, Twitter.
2: Have you ever posted regarding your political opinion on those forums? Of course. Do you have any other email accounts?
1: Yeah. Oh yeah.
2: Okay. What forms do you use for their email
1: accounts? I've got one for JCTA, I got one for Gmail.
2: Have you ever sent Commissioner Lewis your opinion regarding charter schools from those? Oh, absolutely. From your JCTA email?
1: Uh, I think so. Either that one or the Gmail.
2: Do you recall mm, if you've sent any emails to Commissioner Lewis after your December 11th E2 meeting?
1: Yeah, I've sent about two of them.
2: Okay. Do you recall what they said?
1: Um, Pretty much uh, I said that, I know one of them, I told them that, he could have reached out to me as a man would if he had a problem with my emails, and we could have discussed that, and then I didn't have to do that again. I said that I think the fact that he put it in the newspaper without even talking to me first was a cowardly move. Yeah. So those are the things that I've doubled in So that was uh, from my personal email. Okay. Did you call him any names in those emails? Uh, I don't
2: know.
1: I might have. I mean, I just said cowardly. Did you call him any other names that you recall? No, nah, not really.
2: I actually I might say said massive
1: I'm pretty sure that I should probably say it again.
2: <laughs> Finally, uh, I want to address exhibit six. That's the read order. Can you read paragraph three?
3: Uh yeah. Okay.
2: Uh, exhibit six?
1: Uh, if you'll mark that with the green highlighter again. Said exhibit what? No, no, paragraph, um, three. paragraph three. Paragraph three. Paragraph right, three. As to reference for the record, this is the real order. All right, sir. Um, by report dated November 2nd, 2016, Dr. Donna Hardens, former superintendent of Jefferson County Public Schools, notified the board that Rashad was alleged to have been insubordinate and behaved in an unprofessional manner. And then on page two of that document, can you read the bold? All right, Um, on or before April 1st, 2018, Rashad shall provide proof to the board that he has completed the course of training professional development on the topic of positive professional relationships as approved by the board. Any expense for this training shall be paid by Rashad. If a child fails to provide written proof by April 1st, 2018, certificate number of blah, 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 blah shall be automatically suspended until the child provides the required proof. Next question,
2: please.
1: Rashad is aware that should he violate KRS 161.120 in the future, the board shall initiate a new disciplinary action and seek additional sanctions. Mr. Rashad,
2: is that your signature?
1: Oh, yeah. It's not. I have no
2: other questions.
3: I'm just going to ask a couple here about who reserved the rest of it from what put him on my case. You mm-hmm. it. All right. Uh, want to look at uh, that agreed order and read out loud
1: paragraph four. All right. Although Rashad maintains his innocence with regard to the specific allegations, he acknowledges that the allegations were sufficient to warrant inquiry by the board.
3: Did you get any additional... Uh, did you get any permanent records on your certificate when you signed this agreed order? No. That's my sixth question here. Did you get any permanent records on your certificate when you agreed to this agreed order? No. Did, would you have agreed to this agreed order had you known the standards board was going to use it as a basis to order. increase? Not at all. Not at all. Just Answer the question again. Would you have agreed to this re-order if you knew that the Standards Board was going to use this as a proof that you deserve additional punishment for a future event? No, sir. I would have thought it all the way out.